0: What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Posbon, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. Uh, This time with me is Aaron Blauchuk. Hello! And Jordan Balinski. You guys got
1: some nugs in your teeth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We just had McDonald's. Uh, For those that don't know, VGM stands for video game music, and we are taking you through the generations. Basically, once a week, three friends with varied gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. And this month, we are talking about Indie games big wide topic dun, lots of choices dun,
1: dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and
0: i've played a lot oh, of indie games so you know, <laughs> that, that is good. what we're talking about that was pretty good uh yeah so i will kick it off with my first pick and i'm going back to episode one ladies and gentlemen like i did uh last week or the week before but uh yeah i'm going back to one of my picks from the very first episode of the show and that is the game journey uh the published or developed by that game company and published by Sony in 2012. And the music is by the very incredible, very talented composer, Austin Wintory. Which game company? <laughs> <laughs> that game company. Hey, so funny. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Austin Wintory did the soundtrack here. He uh, had previously worked with Genova Chen, who's the uh, director of the studio, on their uh, first game, Flow that uh, they published so it was flow flower and journey uh were the three games that that game company did for and they, they sony. got progressively better they did yeah. yeah definitely uh and so yeah sony had contracted them for three games so um i think genova had actually developed flow before sony like it, he had developed like uh like a, a concept a yeah. prototype yeah and then sony came to him and was like hey you want to do three games for us and they were like sure so yeah so uh, we were talking before the podcast started. I'm not sure if this <laughs> very, very technically falls under the indie game because Sony did uh, contract them to make the games. We but, had a
2: mini fight about it. Yeah. Uh, but know, I won, that's so. the thing is if there's a, there's a publisher, so.
0: <laughs> that's right. Indie game? I don't know. But yeah. Still, I'm thinking, so <laughs> It's too late. It, I already <laughs> picked it up. Yeah. I can't switch it now. We already started the podcast. But um, yeah. I talked about this game before. I kind of gushed about it the first time we talked about it. But if you haven't played Journey, uh, you're missing out on one of the greatest games of all time.
2: Plus it's on the PS four now. So
0: yes, it is on the PS four now. Yep. And if you bought it uh pro tip, if you bought it on the PS three, you get it for free on the PS four. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a note about that later, but I'll talk about it now. Um, they uh, contracted a company. Oh no, I can't remember the name. I think it was called wow games uh, did the port. It wasn't that game mm-hmm. company that did the port. It was like a third party studio. that did the port and they said it was one of the they, they've ported a few games and they said it was by far one of one of the hardest games that they've ever had to port over because the it was such like a an amazing feat of programming on the ps3 so moving it to the ps4's architecture was like a huge pain but they did a great job because if you see any footage from the if you've played it or you've seen footage from the up-res uh version it looks phenomenal and it was always a beautiful
2: game always yeah it oh
0: yeah on the it's not like on the ps3 it didn't look incredible it just looks even a little
2: (laughs) bit more incredible (laughs) that sand sparkles just a little more
0: just a little more yeah uh so um back to the music um so Jenova met with Austin uh, to discuss his vision for the game at the start of the project. And that night, Austin Wintory went home and wrote the main cello theme for the game and um, basically just took that music and developed it more and more and more for the next three years of development. So this game uh, this game was actually supposed to be a one-year development cycle. and ended up being three. They went back to Sony twice to ask for extensions. And uh, they said it was like, it was getting tense at the end because what it was was it was just um, people had all these ideas that they wanted to cram into the game. And eventually they had to decide like it's been long enough. We just need to put it out. Kind well, of. Thing. I remember
2: that de- development cycle because I, I was actually a really big fan. I didn't like flow. I was a big fan of flower, though. Me I played too, a yeah. lot. So I was really yeah. looking forward to journey. And I remember when it was announced and I was I was super hyped up about yeah. it. And that was one of those ones that got delayed so much that it was like I kind of started to forget about it. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Well, and I remember seeing the trailer for it. Mm. Uh, like the, the first trailer thing I saw for it was it was like footage from inside the recording studio of Austin like conducting the orchestra that was playing the piece and then they were like cutting to game footage back and forth and I was like oh my god like this soundtrack sounds incredible and this <laughs> game looks amazing which like, reminds what is me this?
2: of Journey Live which I'm sure you're gonna yeah, talk about yeah <laughs> I
0: was gonna talk about that after but yeah Yeah,
1: yeah, I was just going to say they probably didn't wouldn't have had that kind of pull with Sony if they hadn't already developed a few good games. Yeah,
0: I think that like Sony really believed in them and and, like Genova talked about like how he was very thankful to Sony and they actually went bankrupt at near the like the last um, I think two months. The company like that game company was technically bankrupt and the people were working for free. They were like, we can't afford to pay you. Like, do you have enough savings to like keep working for the, the only next two they, months and they were like yeah. yep and so they for the last two months of the game they were actually bankrupt which is crazy they were
1: so close to the end if they would have they, they couldn't just stop right yeah if they're going to recoup any money they
2: have to finish and the game this is clearly this game is a labor of love it's a work of art like it's yeah. a beautiful game and if i was working on it i'd be like i need to see this through so yeah. yeah
0: exactly so um the music again if you haven't played the game but even if you have you know that the music in this game uh, flows dynamically incredibly well. I think it's probably the best I've seen. I can't think of another game where it's like there. There's no time in this game where the music like abruptly stops and then you know where there's a scene change and you're like, oh, that was a little rough. Like it's just one long continuous the music path. is
1: like a journey that flows <laughs> like a flower. You could say that.
0: <laughs> that, that was, was bad. really that. Yeah. No, that was really good. I was um, so flows like a flower that doesn't even make sense (laughs) (laughs) a flower petal yeah um all the music is uh based around the main main theme like i said and the cello uh is the soloist and it he said that it kind of represents the main player the cello in the in the music um kind of
1: like peter and the wolf how sort of yeah instrument represents a character of some kind Yeah, yeah exactly
0: and um So one of the questions that somebody asked him in an interview was like, were you ever, um, were you ever thinking of doing, because it's kind of, when you look at the game, you think, oh, maybe it's set in like Egypt or Syria, like one of those, because like ruins and sand, basically. And uh, were you going to ever do like ethnic or like culturally influenced music? And he was like, I started out thinking about that a little bit, but um, in the end, I decided to make it actually as universal and cultureless as possible, because that's kind of the overarching idea of this game that Jenova Chen had was he wanted it to appeal to everyone, to all people. And that's why like, uh, you can't see the name of the player you're yeah. playing with it's a when game you're playing about Togetherness and yes. bringing yeah. strangers together. Exactly. So, so that's why he tried to all. make it. Yeah. So that's why he tried to make it as universal as possible. The character design kind of reflects that too. Like they, yeah, no faces, just like some exactly. eyes and, and a cloak kind of thing. So, um, the one last thing I wanted to say before we listen. Oh, uh, the piece of music I picked is The Road of Trials, which I've talked about uh, before on the podcast. My favorite part of this game was there's a part where it's... You kind of... There's a part in the game where you're above ground and then there's a part of the game where you're sort of underground. And in between those two parts, there's a surfing... What you could call a sand surfing level. And it's my favorite part of the game. It, it is, to this day, the best, like, feeling thing I've ever done in a game because it just feels like you're skiing or snowboarding and the
2: thing is it depends like when you're playing and if you are playing with somebody who has joined you in and you manage to stay close together for that sand surfing thing it's like when a plan comes together that is like (laughs) the most perfect moment right there yeah where you're both sort of like overtaking each other and jumping and chirping and and, like, and
0: uh, you get power off the other player, like when you're close to them. So then you can get like longer jumps and stuff. Oh, it's so, it's so good. Yeah. So it's like, it's the best snowboarding game anyone's ever made. And <laughs> it happens to be inside journey. Uh, and the last thing I want to say is Tina Guo was the cellist, um, a longtime friend of Austin who did all the amazing cello work for this soundtrack. So let's listen to the road of trials from journey.
2: statue is still the pride and joy of my collection oh yeah do you want to talk about that i i'll just mention it quick in that uh I, this was sometime after the game came out and uh yeah, this was a com- few it, years ago sony announced they were going to do an exclusive polystone statue of journey and it was this beautiful thing that's uh it's like a base and it on the base it's sand and then it shows like one of the like the crumbled creatures you know the creatures that sort of fly around in the air that sort of look at you with their beam eye yeah there's like a ruined one of those on the ground, and then it's the a player in the red cloak standing there with their scarf flowing in the wind. And then a flying above that character is the character in the white cloak, which means that they are an experienced character. Got so all the... Like, yeah, yeah. That, they're kind of like a guide character. So they're like floating above that character, and they have a, like a long white scarf. And it's just amazing to me because the points of contact are really small in this like it's one character's on one leg and this supports the character who's supporting the other character flying above it so it's this
0: yeah it's very expertly it's, made it's
2: expertly made it's a really beautiful statue unfortunately I'll and the other thing too is it's super fragile because the scarves flow off of the statue quite far and, and they're made they're, out of stone they're made well. out of like this resin poly poly stone. Stone. It's, it's like, like a yeah, resin synthetic yeah yeah and uh it has one of the scarves has broken and the other one has chipped but I've I've glued them back together expertly. You'd never know. But that was... That was influenced by your cat, right? My cat broke, knocked it over, broke the scarf. Yeah.
0: So they don't yeah. break of their own accord. No, but <laughs> something has well, to hit them. But I, they are fragile. Here's
2: my hack, is in the sense that, like, if you own this statue, yeah. But um, the high problem shelf. is, is that the uh, scarves, the way they sort of slot in, they would sort of slot in, but they'd slide out a little bit just because of their weight. Mm. And they they don't like click in or anything like that. They just sort of like stick in like a peg in a slot. Yeah. What I did is I took that like uh, green sticky tack. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like that the, teacher's wall tack, gum, yeah. the wall tack kind of stuff. And I jammed a little bit of that on the end, stuck it in there and it's like rock solid. So up, yeah. if, if you have this statue, save your scarves. Life hack. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Life hack. I remember we, I
0: sent you that we, mm-hmm. this was, I don't know. This was sometime after we, I think, I don't know if it was after we had started the podcast or not, but I think it was before, I think it was before, uh-huh. but we had talked about journey in some capacity and it was like shortly after we had talked about it, that I was just on Twitter and I saw it pop up on uh, Sony's PlayStation, gear feed. Yeah, it was an uh, and exclusive thing. it was, thing. It was exclusive was, they I only don't know, made like 150 or something like that. Yeah, it was really limited. Yeah. Um and I was like, oh look at this Aaron. Maybe like 50, can you 000. and it was expensive. And I was like, can you imagine? <laughs> and he was like, I'm I already. just bought it. <laughs> 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 like I messaged him and he was like, I already bought it. Yeah. So yeah, that was a uh, no that was a beautiful statue. Um so just to go back to the soundtrack overall um, so the soundtrack was in the iTunes top 10 in more than 20 countries and reached uh, 116 on the billboard sales charts in the month it was released, which is incredible for a video game soundtrack. Uh, it's technically the second best video game soundtrack ever, but the number one is Guitar Hero 3, <laughs> which I don't count because it's not. No, it's, a, it's, if it's just a
1: compilation. It's album, a compilation. It album, doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I
0: don't count that. So yeah, I, what
1: about all the menu music in Guitar Hero?
0: <laughs> Somebody no, it's oh, the only even the menu music, music is, is
1: licensed yeah, stuff. The whole yeah, thing is, okay. The yeah.
0: only unique piece of music from Guitar Hero Three is the intro that Slash wrote and like played. That's why it's the best. But It doesn't count. It doesn't count <laughs> um, to me. Journey's number one. Um, the only other thing that's um, like basically comes close in terms of franchises is Halo has had four separate soundtracks uh, make it onto the best-selling list of, for the month. Um, and then uh, the my last note here is that I own this soundtrack in every form possible. Cassette tape? <laughs> it didn't come out on cassette tape. Possible. Uh, not maybe. every not every form, ever. Every form possible to own it on. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, I have the you've CD. You've got it on
2: like those, uh, on those CD old Sony, on Sony music players <laughs> that took the tiny little cartridges. I had yeah. it.
0: You're talking about mini-disc and <laughs> I, mini-disc, I had one of those yeah. players. You, um, I, c- I could mini-disc. put it on mini-disc if I wanted to, but uh, no. I have it on uh, CD, I have it on vinyl, uh, and I have it digitally, and the CD and the vinyl I have are both signed by Austin Wintory, Uh, and yeah, that just goes back to when we met Austin Wintory when he came to do Journey Live in Calgary. So a few years ago, they did a Kickstarter, uh, and basically this group of um, musicians and uh, arrangers and composers came together and said... Hey, Austin, we want to do this. And he said, that's great, but I don't have time. You guys have to do it and then I'll come and conduct it. And so um, that's exactly what they did. So they wrote the music so that it could be played uh, by a smaller, like not a full orchestra. So it could be played by about eight to 10 people, I think it was. And then also on top of that, they actually got Sony to give them a build of the game that had uh, no <laughs> music in it mm. so that they could...
2: Um, but still the actual like sound effects, still the sound effects,
0: like yeah, that. the audio cues, the sound effects, and so that they could play the game and play the music along dynamically,
2: yeah. And what's actually awesome about that, too, is when they're playing the game, so they're playing the game live and it, there's somebody actually sitting on stage playing it, but they're also connected online. So the potential is there for them to be joined by another random player online time that doesn't, they're doesn't realize they're in part of the concert, right? Yeah, <laughs> Which and, is, and that
0: did happen yeah. when we were there, I think they played with, like, uh, four or five people while we were during the course of the concert. So they played the whole game.
2: Yeah. And from start to finish, which is crazy. Yeah. But that's the thing about the game too, is there's an achievement in it for, uh, like if you play the game and you stay with the same companion, the way it's sort of set up is that if you lose sight of your companion, if one person falls behind, it's likely they'll drop out. And next time you see somebody, it'll be a new player, but it's done seamlessly. So you can never can tell if you're with the same person or not, but there's an achievement for playing through the entire game with the same person. Do and you if, have that achievement? I do have that achievement. Do you? And with that, like, that is... It's a tough one to get. It is a tough one to get, but that is, like, one of the best experiences I've ever had in a video game ever, and it's one of the reasons why Journey is one of my favorites of all time. So.
0: Yeah, that, that was such a mind-blowing moment for me when I realized that I played with a bunch of different players the first time, because at the very end, when you finish the game, it's like... uh it says something like your yeah. companion you were joined by or something yeah, and it, and then it shows you all their gamer attacks yeah. and i was like oh my god like that was multiple like what happened like why? where did i lose them where did i pick them up <laughs> yeah so, you
2: never know because yeah. it's like the second that it's they're so out seamless. of your sight yeah they might disappear but then you'll pick somebody else, else yeah so
1: you guys have two totally different experiences i have a third and i have probably the worst out of the three of us because the first time i played the game i was uh on a no spoiler, no, no streaming. I didn't watch anything. I'm just like, this game looks great. I don't want to know anything about it. I just want to play it. So when I got it, I had no idea I was playing with other people. So the whole time I was playing, I thought I was just playing with really crappy AI or something (laughs) like that. And then, and then I beat the game and I'm like, yeah, it was okay. It was, it was cool. And then hearing everyone else but me raving about how great the game was, that connection, that that it togetherness actually to, like yeah all you of, feel a connection to a stranger that you cannot speak to but that doesn't mean anything if you yeah. don't know <laughs> yeah yeah so the whole beautiful experience you guys are talking about was completely lost on me <laughs> and i feel like i'll never get that chance again
0: oh. Well, you, know, you do have a PS4 now I'll, yeah, but, and but you to, did own but the it's the realization yeah the then. first time there's yeah, something yeah. about that first time that's very special. I will
2: say that like after I played it through the first time and I thought like that was a really special experience and I'll never recapture that playing this game again won't feel the same but I've played through that game from start to finish several times and it's been a great experience every time and in fact, when you play through the game and you collect everything and you gain that white robe, you become like, you know, the Jedi master <laughs> yeah, of uh, Journey. And then you could like, come into other people, like, the red robe. They're clearly new. They don't have all the designs on their robe. Their scarf is really short. It's like, come with me. I will show you the way. Young grasshopper. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, totally.
0: All right, so, yeah, that's uh, that's it for Journey. One of the best games of all time and one of the best video
2: game soundtracks of
0: all time, no question. Uh, Aaron, what do you have for us this week?
2: I'm talking about a little game that you may have heard of called Terraria. Oh, okay. You guys, yeah, I play Terraria. You got to be familiar with Terraria. Only, yeah, barely. I don't know much about it. It's funny. Like, have you heard of Minecraft? 2D Minecraft. Yeah, Yeah. It's, yeah, and essentially 2D Minecraft. It came out sort of in the wake of Minecraft. And in a lot of ways, it's the same sort of game it's, you know, crafting, building, you know, fighting monsters, that kind of stuff. But it's all done as a side scrolling platformer. And the graphics are very like 16 bit Super Nintendo kind of style. So. I know it because
1: every single friend on
2: my Steam list is it's like the recommended game because all my <laughs> friends have it well, so Well it's a game that is like it's been out for let me let me just get some facts here. So uh it originally came out on the PC and has since been released for everything in the world. Um it was Including phones, right? Yeah, including yeah. mobile. It was developed by a company called Relogic which was like I don't know, like three guys. You know yeah, very it, small crew. So developed and published by Relogic, but since then it's had so many like releases and re-releases that it has been published by others in order to be on like the PS Vita and stuff like that. So it's, it's been around, but it came out in 2011 and since then it's like, so riding the wake of Minecraft, but it's still consistently in the top sellers on Steam. Like you'll see it in the like top seller lists all the time. Yeah. And it's a great game. Like I've sunk about 80 hours into it. That's nothing compared to like the hundreds and hundreds of hours I sunk into Minecraft. But still Terraria is, is a ton of fun. One, th- one reason why is that I consider it to be more of a video game than Minecraft is. Like Minecraft is very like make your own fun. Yeah. There's like exploration and, you know, you kind of just do what you want. But in Terraria, there's more of a structure. It's like... Yeah, and
0: there's kind of like events that happen in the game. Like there's things you can trigger that are more gamey, like kind of boss fights and stuff.
2: Boss boss fights eventually came to Minecraft, but Terraria did boss fights first. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. Terraria had boss fights from the get-go. And that was the sort of thing. It's like there's a dungeon. Like, like Minecraft, it's all randomly generated. So there'll be like a dungeon you can access and you have to fight this skeleton boss in order to access the dungeon. And that happens in everybody's game, but still the world is all procedurally generated. So every yeah. time you start a new game, it's a totally different world. And it's like, it's a ton of fun. Like you get, like there's way more power-ups than Minecraft were. So you get like different armors and weapons and guns and grappling hooks and stuff like that. You fight bosses. So it was very much... Very much more of a video game. And like Minecraft, you could also play it with other people. You kind of... Uh, you you gather resources and you build a fortress. And what happens is once you build a fort with different rooms, it'll actually start attracting NPC characters to come and, like, live there. And they will sell you things and give you advice and that kind of stuff. People show up and try and break all your walls down and kill you? Or <laughs> is that This isn't, like, random. These are NPCs, so they don't... They don't have... They're not bad guys, guys that they, come to get you? Well, they do. Uh, like... In, in another thing that Minecraft does is if you're in an NPC village, a, that village will be attacked by zombies every night. Zombies okay. will come. And, and like also your own house, like zombies come out at night. They'll try and break down your doors, that kind of stuff. So Terraria does that as well. It's that there's a day-night cycle. And that's one cool thing about the music is that the, the tone of the music changes from day to night. Yeah. And it's, it's very different in tone. Like night is all spooky and day is all happy and bubbly. Which we'll hear because I'm doing Overworld Day as my song. But uh, every night, that's when the monsters come out and they attempt to bust down your door and they can bust down your door and break in and wreck a of shit. That's why I
0: built my walls like four walls thick. Yeah, so
2: you've <laughs> played Terraria. I have, yeah. yeah. So this is when I was living uh, with my buddies
0: and this, I think it was like, it was a steam sale so it wasn't when Terraria first came out but it was on sale for like super cheap i think it was like five bucks mm-hmm. and we were all living together in the same house my buddy had a raspberry pi that he was just noodling around with and he's like we'll turn this into a terraria server and we'll all play on we'll all play on that and it slowed down a couple times but <laughs> <laughs> it works actually incredibly well um but yeah we all bought it on the day and we were all like all right let's just play terraria today And we started at like, I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning and didn't stop until, well, they I'll say they didn't stop until like nine (laughs) o'clock that night. I got up from my desk at about two and I was like, boys, I got to go out. Like my eyes hurt. Like (laughs) I have not looked away from my screen in several hours. And then by the time I got back, they were so far ahead of me, like in in terms of like, um, <laughs> like the
2: stuff that they had. Yeah, in terms like, of like the
0: weapons, they're all grappling, hooking. Oh yeah, they were all yeah. over the place, and I was like, "All right, well, I guess I'm out of this." So I played, and then I I continued on a couple times to try and like catch up, but they went deep and fast, so I yeah. could not I could not uh, catch up. Well, so. I suppose
2: if you're just if you're exclusively playing multiplayer, this is a game that I largely played single player because yeah, there no. was it was. There was a lot of content. You could play it. I think Minecraft shines multiplayer, but Terraria shines single single player. player, Yeah.
0: But I will say, I do think it is, it is kind of sort of for the same, same type of player, Mm -hmm. like the one who just like, you just want a world to mess around in. Mm -hmm. So much like Minecraft, I think Terraria is best for like people who enjoy that. Cause like, I won't, I won't say it's like my favorite type of game. I prefer a more like linear story game. So, yeah. Um, But it was fun, it was fun, and I love the look, and I loved, I just love the variety of stuff, mm. like, there's so much stuff that you can do, and then, like, it's really funny where you just dig a hole straight down and see, like, how far you can get down, and then you realize that as long as you hit, like, one block of water, even if you fall, like, a million feet, as long as you hit a pool of water, it slows you down enough that you don't (laughs) die, so... They, and you can when, drain
2: water in the game by like yeah. digging under it and there's actually like water physics. Yeah. Technically ex- you could try to drain the ocean, but you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I came back to their game, they had developed like a, it was kind of like an elevator system where you just knew you had to fall to the right. It was all alternating. So you had to fall to the right, then to the left, then to the right, left. And you could get down like, you were almost at like
2: the center of the earth by the time you finished it. It was yeah, crazy. Because there is a literal hell at the center yeah. of the earth. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they
0: I don't know. I'm sure they busted into it eventually. I yeah. never got that far.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember long, a lot of long solitary hours digging down. Like I, I love games about exploration, right? So just like digging into the earth and...
0: Yeah, this is totally uh, your jam. I'm yeah, not surprised this is totally at all that jam. you're talking
2: about this. So before I say anything else, let's uh, listen to the music. This is sort of... Yeah, it's not the main theme, but kind of is the representative theme of Terraria. So it's the overworld theme, daytime from Terraria. super bizarre soundtrack. Like the music in it is weird. It is very weird. Who was the composer? The composer is a guy named Scott Lloyd Shelley. Okay. Did you you see anything else that he had done? (laughs) Yeah. The weird thing about Scott Lloyd Shelley is that he has composed the music for over 80 episodes of The Crocodile Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) That's an awesome credit. Yeah. Yeah. He's an American composer currently living in Australia. So he composes for a lot of Australian TV. Um, Not a lot on his... uh, Profile for, like, video game music is, yeah. like, you know, Putt-Putt Goes to the Moon or something like that. I wonder they know like they Putt this the games? I don't know, but it's a weird choice, and it's a weird soundtrack, but it fits the game. Does yeah? uh, Crocodile Hunter have a lot of chiptune in it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it should. But I think it's just an eclectic guy, and he looks kind of an eclectic guy, too, because uh, what the first thing... I saw a picture of him on his website, and the first thing that struck me is that he looked exactly the way Jeremy Irons looked from Die Hard 3, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. So, he, he <laughs> looks like that the Jeremy Irons terrorist character. So. He looks like a bad guy. Yeah, he looks like a bad guy. <laughs> That's hilarious. He was smiling but still, you know, yeah. you know malice smile. there. Yeah. And uh, Terraria of course is uh is an enormously popular game. It sold over 20 million copies. It has a line of if you've ever been a toy store like looking at the Minecraft toys and the Five Nights at Freddy's toys, certainly you've seen the, the Terraria toys cuz it's got a big line of like action figures and plushies and stuff as well. So. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and also, I found out, and I didn't even I didn't even really know this. What, what was weird about the development cycle for Terraria is that it developed for, like, a couple of years, and then the developer basically said, after this update, it was, like, in 2013, he's like, after this update, I'm done. Game's done, like, and I, I won't be doing any further to it. And he put it out in the wild. They kind of let it sit for a little while, and then, it was like, several years later, he came back and started doing updates again, just out of oh, the blue. Really? So, wow. And he's been doing it, like, <laughs> since then. I guess he has recently handed over the reins of the company to somebody else. Like up until very recently, he was doing all of the programming in the game himself. Like this main guy, his name is uh, Andrew Spinks. So Andrew Spinks, he designed and programmed it and he had uh, two other people on his team doing the graphics. So. so you remembered he liked
1: money and he was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> <Or> <laughs> remember, money yeah. was well, probably
2: ahead. already rolling in, know, right? Even without even doing
1: anything. Maybe He
0: was like, oh. A little bit more, and I can afford that mansion. Yeah, he's I can, uh, you yeah. I know, use another
2: floor to yeah. my he's house. He's like, <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm making a lot off these toys and <laughs> and, and the game sales, but. I could make a little more. I think <laughs> like, it was
2: more like he wanted to move on to other projects and just probably, didn't, yeah. want to, didn't want to like work on this one thing. I think he didn't want to work on it forever, but it's, I think he was, he may have been, I don't I have anything to back this up, but might have been like pressured into it just because the mm-hmm. game was so successful and like people kept ta- asking him about it. And yeah, and I'm sure it's just one of those things
0: too where he's like, he had done it a long time, he was tired of it, he spent a couple of years away from it and then it was like, oh yeah, I've had enough, like I can go back now. So yeah, might have and, been something like that.
2: And there also was a, this is what I was going to say I didn't know, was there was a spinoff game for and Works for, let me see, how how long was that? Three years. It was in development for three years and it was only just recently canceled this year. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, sure they canceled it because basically, they, yeah, but they looked at it and they were like, it had been developed by another studio. Oh, okay. And so they were working on it and it. they weren't happy with it. Like, Gosh, they're, they're like the quality is not there and the, rather than release a subpar product, they said.
0: Let's it's just, always so sad though, right? Like yeah. three years of people's lives. It's yeah. just like, that nothing will ever happen with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's harsh. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a nice somber note to end on. <laughs> Jordan, what do you have for us this week? It's, ready, it's great and you should play it. That's true. Okay, there you go. I'm going to
1: talk about the beginner's guide uh, game released in 2015 on Windows, Mac, OS and Linux developed by everything unlimited limited <laughs> and uh, I'll get get into a little backstory on the game here created by a man named Davey Reedon, who was the co-creator and writer of The Stanley Parable, which is a fairly well-known game
0: and is great. And is great. We talked about The Stanley Parable yes. on this podcast yeah? yeah,
1: Yeah. Well, to what extent, I don't
2: remember. I think uh, we would just mention it because it's not really big on was, music. I think it was one, so of, it's just one of those we things played. where we're like just excited because we just finished it. Right? And yeah. it's
1: also, yeah. And it's also a game that you don't want to talk about, which is what I want to warn, uh, preface my... Spoilers. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to avoid spoilers, okay. but... Um, I do want to preface that this just like Stanley parable is if you're, it's one of those games where the, the, the less, you know, the better,
0: the more, so, yeah, the more enjoyable you're.
1: Yeah. Like I, what I'm going to talk about isn't necessarily going to ruin your experience, but, uh, if you're somebody that's already interested at some point, maybe just sort of tune me out and, <laughs> and go <laughs> play the ahead
2: game. And then to the end where
1: are we, yeah. Yeah. So by, uh, so, um, Co-creator of the Stanley Parable, uh, this was his follow-up to that. Um, it was actually because of the Stanley Parable that I that I specifically seek this game out because uh, after playing the Stanley Parable, I didn't just play that game. I destroyed every inch of that game. Like I, got, I couldn't consume enough of it. Yeah, it you, like,
2: like, I, like I know there's
1: stuff I haven't seen. I need to see it. Exactly. It's it's one of those gaming experiences that uh, that changes you. Like I played Stanley Parable and I'm like, I've never experienced something like this in a video game Did before. Did you
2: even go and find like the secret out of bounds? Room? I 100%ed you, the game yeah, with the
1: exception of the one that's like you have to wait five years. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I 100%ed the, the game. Okay,
2: because yeah, there's this one where like you basically have to like stand on a desk and go through a vent, and you actually end up outside of yeah. the game. And you're like in and this white void yeah, yeah, kind of thing. I and, do. That was. And I they, think the they last even one. account for it. Like, there's yeah. no way to know about this you unless you've like
1: looked it up. You can't online. break the game. They yeah. they they're aware of everything. Yeah. yeah. And that, some of this might go over your head. That was head. the Stanley Parable, Yeah, the Stanley okay. Parable. <laughs> that, some of that might go Not over your head, but I don't want to explain or give any context to what we're talking about in case somebody hasn't played Stanley Parable. I would say play the Stanley Parable, but now I want to continue talking about Beginner's Guide. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about Stanley Parable. <laughs> I know you like that one yeah. better, but... Oh, yeah. Um, I, so... Um, the, the, uh, The backstory so there's um, it's an interactive storytelling games Uh, some people call them walking simulators. Um, What makes this game interesting is that um, it's it's built around it's built almost like without a fourth wall like the you're you're part of the experience the Davey the creator of the game he's narrating this experience to you the player and as you get into this. You realize it's not necessarily a video game that you're playing. I know I, uh, so it's, it's the whole walking simulator simulator idea is sort of vague on like on gameplay, like how much of it is a game, how much of it is more of an experience. Mostly it's just like you're, it's a story. Like yeah. you're
2: experiencing a
1: story. Yeah. yeah. And this um, takes place uh, on somebody's, somebody's computer files. So Davy has a friend who goes by the name Coda and uh, he, Coda is a game developer. And a lot of the projects that Coda's developed over the years were just ideas for games or concepts um, that weren't really finished products. And most of the stuff he's ever developed has mostly just been for himself. It's never been publicly released. But Coda would share a lot of his work with Davey, the, the creator here. And uh, over the years, Dave, Davey's sort of collected um, a library of all of Coda's games. And so the game starts with Davey explaining uh, he, he wants... He wants to sort of answer the question, can a video game offer insight into the mind of its creator? And he takes you through all of the projects that Codas created over the years. And as you step through each game, and some of these games might range from like 10-second demos to five-minute demos. And at some point, there is a beginning and an end. In some cases, it's more of a check out this concept. There's not really a start or an end to this, but you can see where he was going with this idea for a game. So you're kind of game hopping along and the whole time Davey's explaining, I think he was thinking this. I think he was trying to, you know, show us this. And I feel like there's some emotion here that he was feeling a certain way when he made this game. So you start to see how Coda's brain might've been working.
0: So it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm just enjoying the story. And so now it it adds a lot more. Um, I would say interest because you're not necessarily having your hand held through a story. You're more um, going through this person's mind, and you're listening to what Davy's talking about and thinking and and you're sort of interpreting your own ideas, uh, you know, everybody thinks they're, you know, on some level, they're some sort of a therapist. They have the answers (laughs) to how, how the human brain works. And you start seeing these little ideas and trinkets throughout the game. And you're like, oh, this is interesting. I, you know, I, I totally get what they're going for here. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see. So the types of levels that, and, and games you've gone through, uh, like there's one concept that was really neat early on in the game. Like I'm not, I'm going to try and stay to like early stuff in the games as to not ruin anything further down. But uh, one of the first ones was like, you couldn't maybe Aaron, you can help me out. If you remember, (laughs) it's all fuzzy. Um, There was one level where you couldn't move until you found out that, Oh, if I hit backwards, I can walk backwards. But I can't walk forwards and then you start to figure out how to navigate your character by walking backwards And so you're playing the whole game like what's behind me, but you're walking backwards. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a Mm -hmm. first-person perspective. Yeah, and then there's like text that's revealed as you turn around in certain areas And it's sort of you can see how the game is sort of guiding you through but without saying go over here go over there So it makes it really interesting Um, there's prison and labyrinth type levels. There's really interesting like dreamscape type stuff. There was like a Counter-Strike-ish. Yeah, that was the very first one. It was like a Counter-Strike level and that's actually what it was meant to be. um, Except he had like floating boxes and stuff for no reason. And and Davey comments on that saying like, it's almost like you could see um, like his signature or calling card. And there's lots of that in the game where he starts to develop like a calling card or a little signature in the levels. And you start to learn... Um, When he sets up puzzles for you to solve and they're very minor puzzles, but there are puzzles in the game that you have to solve and you start to understand how he's building them. Because, again, these aren't you're not playing through levels in a game. You're playing through concepts that he's evolving in time. (laughs) That sounds so So by the time you get to like some of the later games that he's starting to develop, you see them more fleshed out. By then you see the ideas that have evolved. You've at the same time, like a real video game, learn how to progress through some of these ideas already from his older games. So all of that is like super interesting. And to top it all off, there's like the whole um exploring this person's mind. Like that, the part of that just evolves right to the end of the game. And the payoff is huge. I don't, I refuse to talk about anything <laughs> other than that right. because I have to say, the emotional response I got at the end of the game was unlike anything I've ever had from a video game
0: before I had that gut punch feeling. You might, you might've had it in journey had you realized what was happening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, it's like that. It's like yeah. that experience that you can only have once. Yeah.
2: And, uh, I and no it's, emotional epiphany from Terraria. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> you're on the wrong podcast. Yeah, that's right.
0: I just want to say the emotion game yeah. podcast. You, you, I don't know what you brought this week.
1: I had so at the end of this game, I had chills and I had a gut punch feeling for a week.
0: Oh, wow! So that, it's one of those then, things that sits with you. I
1: let you down. Well, hold on, let, let, let's get there. Let's get there in a second. All right, I, all right. Um, I, some, I don't think I've ever cried from a video game. I'm trying to remember if this game made me cry, I don't think it did. But if I if I were to say there was a game that almost did, it was probably this game. And that's all I want to say. And that isn't like a good or a bad thing. It's just it's emotional.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I, because of that, this was the game that after I finished playing, I'm like, I need to get everyone I know to play this game game, and experience this. And you knew I'd played Stanley Parable. And yeah, and I and Aaron and I had talked a lot about Stanley Parable. I'm like, you need to play the beginner's guide. And go ahead. Well, like, what did
2: you think? Uh, You know what? I can't, I don't, I can't criticize it too much just without revealing or spoiling anything. So I'll just say that, I'll just say that it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Yeah. I didn't actually get the same experience. This is, I'm I'm Jordan in this scenario with Journey. I just, I didn't, I didn't connect with it. And I, and that's
1: fair. I've read a lot of people. It seems to be very black and white. I've read people that have the same experience as you that said that it felt a little contrived or that was
2: it. And I don't want to go too far into that because I feel like it will spoil something for somebody who wants to play it. And that's, that's all we'll
1: say. But then I've, read reviews where people said they finished playing the game. They left their house and walked up and down the street for hours, like just <laughs> contemplating stuck in their own head. Like oh, what yeah. the hell did I, I just well, I've
0: definitely watched movies like that, right? Yeah. Like I can't say that there's too many games. I played like that at the end of journey. I did get a little misty and uh I, I forgot to mention it, but they said like Jenova said when the testers were playing it, yeah, uh, three out of the 25 people that tested the game for the first time all cried at oh, the end. Oh, wow. That's a, <laughs> that's
1: a good response. Um,
0: yeah. So, uh but yeah, I can't say that I have like, I, like I've had that with a game where I've been like, I need to leave my house and like walk around and just think about this. Yes. If, but if
1: you play this game, I think you're going to know before you get to the end, if this is the game for you, I'm going to tell you
0: right now, this game's going in the giveaway just based on your <laughs> okay, description. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I want, ev-
1: so I, I just, I want everyone to play this game because of how short it is. It's worth the time investment. If it doesn't w- like work for you the way it didn't work for Aaron, I think it's still worth finding out.
2: Yeah. I, you know, that's the thing is it was not a long enough uh, investment like it's sort of thing you sit down and you play it in one sitting sitting right yeah. so it wasn't a big investment for me that way it didn't cost a lot of money no but you think you hit the nail on the head for me when like you said and i've talked about it before like contrived was sort of the way i felt about it afterwards but that said you know i felt totally the opposite when i was playing stanley parable where i felt like the writing was just, just pulling like, it back to stanley bang <laughs> on, and not just stanley parable and i know you wrote this name down because there was another game that they did which was called like you gotta yeah. say it. Okay, I'm gonna, and I can't even say it and I have it written down.
1: Dr. Lang Lang Langiskov, Dr. Langeskov, the tiger, and
2: the terrible cursed emerald. <laughs> it's the weirdest, <laughs> worst name ever. But that game, and I think it's one of the things like Stanley Parable was sort of rooted in this like mind bending, but it was like really funny as well. Yeah. Um, the beginner's guide it wasn't really funny. It was more Here. going for the emotional connection. And then with uh, Dr. Langaskov, yeah, like I have it a theory about this super goofy and it, I, sorry, I just wanted no, no, to no, just go, finish go this thought and, and that like just the premise about it is that you're kind of like in this play or you're trying to get to this play and you're like stuck behind the scenes for the whole time. Yeah. And it's just like I was playing it and it was again, really, really short, but I'm I like, think this game is free as well. Yeah. Free. Yeah. But, yeah. And play then like, this one too. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it was just super fun. Like I think it was, I was the sort of
1: experience that I was looking for. And this game as well, uh, Dr. Langeskov uh, also has, it's also another game where if we tell you too much about it, it kind of ruins the experience. Yeah. But because of that, you have three great experiences that are not very expensive that you should all play. Um,
2: as far as walking simulators go, it's the, the writing in these ones that really make them stand out. So. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, let's, uh, let's get, go on
1: to the music side. I don't really have much to say about the composer. His name is Ryan Roth. He did a fantastic soundtrack uh, to The Beginner's Guide, very atmospheric um, because we're jumping through a lot of different games, different genres, different ideas. The music is all over the board. So you have everything from like shooter games to puzzle and labyrinth type levels to games that aren't even games. They're just concepts and you're floating through like atmospheric dreamscapes. So the music he did is Fantastic. It's just all over the place. Uh, and a couple of the tracks have vocals. Uh, the singer, her name is Helena Heron, and she's actually going to be in one of the songs they picked. The song is called Va from The Beginner's Guide. <laughs>
0: That's quite a challenge for a composer though, to to like okay, so what's this game about? Well, it's a game about multiple games. All right. Compose music for like 20 different types of yeah. games. You know what I mean? That's quite a challenge. Yeah, you know, plus
2: WarioWare knocks it out of the park.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess <laughs> WarioWare is an example of This that. S-
2: song is three seconds long, but you love it and you'll sing it forever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's more like catchy yeah. tunes yeah. than songs of Western yeah. WarioWare, but yeah, that's cool. So what uh can you say what this piece of music is from without ruining it? Yeah. Um, so the song Va that we just heard, um, it takes place again,
1: fairly early sort of middle range of the game. Um, and because it's kind of weird, I, it doesn't really matter if a game is near the beginning or end because they're all just concepts that you're jumping through, but they take place in a timeline when Koda in his life, in his real life developed these games. So um, the song Va sort of took place midway through his career and um it this I picked the song, like it, you probably uh, figured out how melodic and sort of calming it was. It really tied in beautifully with the level. It was um uh, like this this little house on the top of this hill in this beautiful countryside. And you just like, you just know, you're just sort of led up this hill. And once you enter the house, like uh, part of the game sort of unfolds before you. And it's just... It's going to sound super boring, but just picture the music you heard and the whole atmosphere. You're expected to do chores around the house. (laughs) So there's this like AI or this like um, NPC that's like, Oh, can you, um, like set the, set the table. We're having dinner guests tonight. So you set the table or can you fold the laundry and put it in the bedroom? And all you're doing is just like hitting a button to like set it and like walking to the room. You're just traveling through the house. And then all of a sudden you just find you're just like in this really soothing, like this, I could do this for hours. Like it's not, it's not it's, it was, it's not like a chore simulator. It's just, you're doing these tasks to this music and you're, Um, What makes it so atmospheric is you're stuck inside the mind of Coda. What was Coda thinking when he built this? Where, Where was he going with this? So you're not like, oh, this is just a boring chore simulator. This is revealing part of Coda's mind. Like, what was he thinking? Like, where is this going? Was he in a happy place in real life when he made this. Cause there will be a contrast to that where some levels it's like, what the hell was he going through? Like, <laughs> is he, is he like effed up? Is he going through some personal life trauma? Cause like every level represents a piece of who Koda is.
0: Yeah, a piece of his brain or his mind almost. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Very so. cool. Uh, one other question I wanted to ask you before we uh, leave the game. Um, is the art style all over the place then as no. well? No, because- oh, so it has a consistent um, art style.
1: I'm trying to remember, I believe it's the source engine.
2: Is that, oh, is that okay. the, yeah. the one? That's why the Counter-Strike uh, oh, level. Yeah. Oh, makes, so it's like, total. It's, oh, that it's, makes total it's like total sense early then. source engine. So this they, is like yeah, the original not, source yeah. uh, engine. So everything has that very like blocky half-life, low-res texture yeah, kind sure. of feel and to it. And that's all intentional. That's how yep. the Stanley Parable
1: was built. And so mm-hmm. this game um, capitalizes on that because this is what Coda built all his games. And these aren't AAA studio games. Coda these are just pro- projects. Some of them aren't even indie games. Like, The game, the beginner's guide is the indie game, but the games within the game are thought experiments. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, that's awesome. Uh, That is. I just want people to play this game now. I want you to <laughs> play. It. Yeah, I'm going to play this game now. So the beginner's guide is what we're going to put in the just giveaway. Don't
2: let Jordan down. <laughs> that's right. That's somebody right. has to feel the
0: way that I yeah. feel. <laughs> well, it's, it's um, tough
2: to. Uh, I just want one more point. Is it's tough to share a game that you can't like? Can't be feel about the Stanley a connection. <laughs> it's tough to share a game you feel like an emotional connection with, and like you want other people to have that experience. And then you recommend it to somebody, and they don't have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I like I had that happen with a game that I've talked about in the podcast before, To the Moon, which is a game that I sort of sat down by myself, threw my headphones on, played it all the way through, and that was a game for me that was like sucker punch at the end where I yeah. just kind of sat there and had to process it and then like days later I'm still trying to process it I'm like listening to the music and like yeah. my tears are welling yeah. <laughs> up in my eyes just listening to the music and all this kind of stuff well and then I'm like I made my wife play it I'm yeah. like you have to play this game like yeah. it and it's a simple game. It's yeah. a simple, but it's hard to, it's hard like, to, and share. she didn't get the same thing. Well, out and
1: that's the thing. She, it's almost better if you discover it versus having somebody put
2: it on your plate and say, you're going to feel something now feel it. Yeah. Right? You basically, yeah. if you're going to recommend a game like this, to someone you have to put it on their plate and say, I'm not going to say anything about this game. Just play it. Give it a try. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. you're setting the bar
1: too high. Like yeah, already over, I've already got I've very hyped the game. So I just, one last thing that I just remembered was I just finished playing the Stanley parable. And at the time I was playing it with my, with my wife and uh, we, play the crap out of it together. And then I read all the reviews on the beginner's guide and all the, all the people that were describing it the way that I actually felt. Um, I, I said to to my wife, I'm like, you know, I don't think we can play this together. This seems like something I need to play by myself. And if you want to play it too, you play it by yourself, but I don't think we should be sitting on the couch together doing this. And that's how I played it. I threw on my headphones. I
2: just, you know, turn off the lights,
1: sat there for an hour, played this thing. Yeah, great. just
2: more
0: of a solo experience.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Every now and then, there's a game where you need to shut out the world. You need to have those headphones on, and you yeah. need to focus on just yeah. the game. Yeah. And, and it is cool that like indie games have kind
0: of become like a, uh, like a bastion for that for for that like really emotional game, right? Like just a very deep storytelling focus. It's not you know this game isn't focused you know because like they can't do the graphics that the AAA studio could do. They can't get the voice actors the AAA studio can get, but. Good storytelling yeah. is not limited by budget. It's just limited by somebody's creativity. Right? Well,
2: that said, and speaking of walking simulators, well, just while we're sort of on the subject is that I want to just bring up really quickly, the vanishing of Ethan Carter, which is a game that I may have talked about in this. I would have loved to talk about it in the podcast, but it didn't have music that stood out to me in a way that I could really talk about it. But sure. you mentioned like, you know, lower budget at the time I played vanishing of Ethan Carter, which is by a small independent studio. I think they're called the astronauts. They, uh, Like, it was the most beautiful game on PC that I'd ever played. Like, it had natural environments in it that looked better than anything I'd seen to that point. And this was just a small independent studio. And then again, it also had that, like interesting so what you're saying emotional is I'm, story. I'm, kind of I'm not saying you're full of shit. I'm just saying that, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, independent studios are doing amazing things Absolutely, on both storytelling, yeah. graphics, pushing the bar, pushing the envelope. I, and I've declared this in previous years, cause this has been going on for a few years that it is the time of the indie developer right now. Like this, the amount of formats that you can get out to people, the uh, ease of publishing, like the things like Kickstarter and Indiegogo ways to get your funding. Like it's, it is the time of the independent developer. Yeah, no, it's a good time.
0: It's a good time to be a yeah.
2: gamer. It's a good
0: time to be a gamer. Uh, so, Jordan, have you been uh, playing anything that you want to talk about? Um, I
1: can talk about the last game I played. Sure. Uh, which I've talked about before, but I think just briefly, um, Hellblade, Senua's oh, Sacrifice. Yes, yes. Have uh, but about it's, uh, it's a game I've had to keep putting on pause because of crazy life scenarios, um, but... My God, like the last time I played it, and I think I'll probably have time to pick it up maybe in the next week or two, but um, absolutely loving it still. Uh-
0: and not not technically was that technically an indie game yeah
1: I yeah. think that was a te- uh, definitely that was a small studio yeah. I would it. have I probably would have talked about it if I I was leaning towards it being more of a not indie but maybe just yeah small, small. studio uh, when yeah. I did
2: research into it I was actually surprised because I, exp- I thought that was like a triple A title when I first saw stuff yeah. well it looks, it. Like that it looks like it looks like it I yeah. thought it was and, and then it, I was like surprised to learn that this is like some independent small yeah. studio well dis- they
1: wanted it to have an indie triple A feel is what they actually we're calling it yeah and they are a very small studio i just didn't know if you would call them indie though
0: actually Who, just were they financed by somebody i sony, i think sony published the game yeah. i want yeah say, but maybe. i don't
1: i don't can't remember the developers because uh i put it down and said no
2: i'm not going to research it for the podcast yeah because i think most uh, i think that's sort of for me that's the line of independent developers is are you like self-financed yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like,
1: uh, it's another game where I'm just getting totally lost in the, in the character in the story. I think it's like one of the most interesting protagonists of any video game, uh, for anyone that doesn't quite remember, um, the main character Senua, she's sort of like, um, sort of like a, like an. A Viking type. Um, looks like a
0: witch doctor kind
1: of. <laughs> she's
2: like a darker version of Aloy from. Yeah, Brown. yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah,
1: um, like Nordic mythology type type world. Um, actually, it's it's entirely that. Uh, her village is destroyed, and she's avenging her her lost love and family and everyone she knows has been pretty much slaughtered by demons or or Satan or whatever. And, uh, and she's got, I think the the biggest part of the game, which makes it the most interesting is uh, she's suffering from like a mental mental illness of some some kind of psychosis. Is this the game with the tree? Yes, this is the game with the tree. <laughs> okay. In the trailer, um, it it's, has Senua looking at the camera and uh, she's losing her mind, hearing voices, and then yeah, there's a burning tree with bodies hanging from it. That's her village of yeah. kind of people.
0: Uh, three hundred. Like, uh, do you, did you I, see, I, I see three hundred? Yeah, you don't know the scene that where part. they. You don't remember the no, scene no. where they come to the tree and like okay, there's a scene where they walk up to a tree and it's like it's very stark and I think there's like a little girl walking through a field or something and there's just the, the entire tree is covered in bodies pegged to it with arrows.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's essentially Same what the trailer of, was. Yeah, yeah. but. Um, Uh, One of the most like atmospheric, crazy, uh, crazy games, Um, because the whole time you're playing, it's almost like your companion, your your Navi or whatever you want to call it, um, is the voices in your head. And sometimes they're not necessarily guiding you down the right path. Sometimes they're um, you could be fighting a a terrifying monster boss and the voices are like, you're not going to do it. You're going to fuck this up. You're not going to (laughs) win, you know, but like. It's just you, you you, you, yourself start to feel like the voices are in your head, especially if you're playing with headphones because like the surround sound is mm. awesome.
2: I want to play this game, but it's one of those games that I know the second I buy it on Steam, it's going to get lost in the tidal wave of other titles. Oh. And I, I don't want that to happen. Like there's certain games that I just like, I don't want to buy them because I know if I buy them, I'll forget them. Yeah. So I need to wait.
0: And I think I might be wrong on this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But I think that the... PS4 Pro. If you have a PS4 Pro, it's like one of the games that was like optimized Hmm. for PS4. So um, if you have it, uh, apparently that's a great way to play it as well. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think and in the time you talked about this game last time, which was a while ago, um, the voice actor who was actually just a... She was the video editor for, now Now I'm gonna yes. remember, it was okay.
1: Ninja Theory, that's the developers. That's right, yep. She was the yeah the video editor and what she happened was... She won a BAFTA yeah, <laughs> for so voice acting. They, she was the stand-in mocap artist until they found out who was gonna play the character. And the further they went, the more they realized, well, she knows how to act, we're already using her in-game why update with a new model? Like she's fantastic; she can play the character well. And they—this uh, is funny because I actually did partially research it for the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, they—they they just said like they coached her and was like tune into your real life um, suffering and play off that, and she did. And then yeah, she won the award at the Video Game Awards, and uh, Andy Serkis presented her a uh, big giant trophy as best. What was it, mo- mocap artist or something? They had it
2: because she was just a like. And she said she she didn't well, have a SAG actor card, so she, I believe yeah. it was
0: for best performance. So she won okay. the ba- she won yeah. the BAFTA and the video game award, and I think it was I can't remember which one Andy Circus was at. I think it was the video game award. Was it yeah. the video game awards? Yeah. And she like broke down crying because yeah. she was like, I'm you know, this actress. isn't even my job, but like mm-hmm. the way people have have responded to this game and the way. And they did a lot of, we're going to go into it even further here, but they did a lot of consulting with yeah. mental health experts yeah. before they started making the game. And
1: there's a warning before you start playing the game all about that
0: too. Yeah, so very cool game. Yeah. But yeah, great game. It's, you know, totally something. It's it's on my list as well. I definitely want to play it. Actually, as soon as I got the PS4, Steph uh, uh, was like are you going to buy that game? I really want to play that game. <laughs> so yeah. she, oh, she's kind of, she's kind of poking me. So if I ever see it on sale or anything, I'm definitely going to pick it up. Cool. So, but we're going to put, um, Oh, I
1: already forgot. Beginner's guide. Beginner's guide. And uh, put Dr. Langiskov in there cause it's free. Well, it's free.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, everybody just go get Dr. Langiskoff. but beginner's guide is, yep. uh, in the giveaway for this week. So, uh, as always to win that giveaway, uh, just hop on your social media platform of choice and interact with us in any way, shape or form. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, it's all good. Um, you can reach out to us and send us an email at the email address, VGMgenerations at gmail.com. Or, uh, our, if we just, if you look on Twitter, we're at VGM generations, very easy to remember. Uh, so yeah, if you want to win beginner's guide, please, uh, leave a comment, uh, give us a like, give us a, a retweet. Those are great. Uh, or leave us an iTunes review for bonus entries. So yeah, that's it for the first week of Indie Games. We hope you enjoyed it and we will catch you guys next time.